Santa Monica Pier is for weirdos, and we've already we've already discussed this. Why why are you bringing the Santa Monica our beloved Santa Monica Pier in there, John? What were we doing at the Santa Monica Pier? Um, we one we, of LA's finest tourist traps. Well, you know, me and Simon visited Greg over the weekend, and we had a day. We made a yeah. day of it. Oh, we, we made two days of it. Yeah, we walked down the Third uh, Street Promenade, and we saw the Santa mm-hmm. Monica Pier, and it was lovely. It was loverly. Yes. And it was just full of, you know, out-of-towners, as it is. I mean, it's a beautiful spot for anybody, and so I thought you would enjoy it. But it sounds like you're, you're, you weren't taken by some of the wonderful characters that populate the pier. <laughs> it was too aggressive. They were all too aggressive. It was, it was, it was uh, too many break dancers and quote-unquote dancers. <laughs> for, John, who are these quote-unquote dancers? Who's, whose character are you besmirching right now? That low-rent uh, uh, Richard Simmons guy. <laughs> <It's> just... <laughs> low-rent? Excuse me. All right, his name, he has a name. And it's Davey Brocks, okay, <laughs> aka Dancing Dave. <laughs> he was barely dancing. He was just kind of shuffling right, back and forth. He was feeling it. He had attitude, all right. He had an attitude of gratitude, and he was ready to pay it off. I loved his enthusiasm and his energy. Obviously, it didn't rub off on you. No, sadly, it did not. <laughs> no, but anyway, I, this is this podcast is now an advertorial. <laughs> this is a human interest story on Davey Rocks, okay? Because oh. he rules. Are we going to do a, a subsequent podcast called Finding Dave? <laughs> yes, because <laughs> he's a reckless. <laughs> yeah, see what he's up to, and you only know that he's a he's a he's an off-brand Richard Simmons because I just told you he was. He has a, and I'm going to read this once the page loads <laughs> he has a 40 minute workout dvd emphasizing glutes called rock hard butt mm. i mean i can't speak to i wasn't looking at his butt i was trying to avoid eye contact with him when i walked by mm-hmm. <laughs> but John, I why assume... are you trying to avoid eye contact he also has a cover of work bitch by britney spears oh so he's a singer as well good for him see la yep. la is a dream factory it's where everyone <laughs> makes their dream come true absolutely when he came he here on... in, uh, we assume, the early 60s, given his age. <laughs> you're just jealous that you're not going to be dancing. You can't even dance that way at your current age. I'm just jealous of his rock hard bun. <laughs> Single mm. bun. <laughs> well, it, it's, you know, it was a nice change of pace from the other breakdancers. Because the other breakdancers were like these young African-American guys making constant racial jokes, which made me a little uncomfortable. <laughs> the, yeah, there was one guy who... Every reference to a Mexican was about was uh, pretty demeaning. Um, <laughs> every Hispanic person was a cousin of El Chapo. Was one again. This is a sick person saying this. This is not me <laughs> endorsing it. This is a, this is a horribly depraved person with a microphone, which he should not have. No, um, near the Santa Monica Pier, he he compared uh, people of uh, of uh, Latinx heritage. Um, said they're all cousins of El Chapo. Mm. And welcome them from Mexico, saying welcome to civilization, which is yep. also just wrong. Exactly. Clearly, he's never been to Mexico City, which is a, which is a wonderful cosmopolitan place. And then, you know, he also disparaged us white people, which I took great offense to. <laughs> we do not deserve that. As well we should have. Yeah, as well you should have. Right? <laughs> white people have gotten it bad for far too long. Oh, it's about time we took this country back. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I, and I'm glad that you know we're focusing exclusively on white people, namely white men, because <laughs> it's apropos for the movie we watched this week. Uh, yes, because this week we decided to catch up on the 1967 Paul Newman starring Cool Hand Luke. Kick him back a buck. Kick him back a buck. Kick him back Damn. Don't look at me, mother. <laughs> well, come on. What you gonna do? Play like a coconut? You got to call him, innit? I know he's got a pair of kings. You don't have to stuff up my nose. Well, you still gotta call him anyway. But you gotta, you gotta look at him. The man's got kings. Get your tail out. Yeah. You wanna see him? Yeah. Right there. One, two, three, four, five. Yeah. Just like today when he kept coming back at me with nothing. Yeah, well, sometimes nothing can be a real cool hand. Move over. Move sit in here next to my boy. 
Now, Greg, this was your pick. What was the impetus for this pick? Well, the fact that it's a classic, and you and I had never seen it before. This is also true. Yeah. Now, this was, again, a part of part of an era of new Hollywood. Mm-hmm. Um, just to give it a little context, 67 was a was a breakout year for Hollywood. It, it completely turned the tables. Um, this is the same year as uh, that's all the release of Bonnie and Clyde. Mm-hmm. And basically what these films did is that they established a, a hatred of the man, <laughs> and they embraced the counterculture. <laughs> and that's what this uh, Cool Hand Luke movie basically exemplifies. It's a little, it's a little edgy, mm-hmm. at least for uh, compared to your typical Hollywood product. And it stars this, uh, this huge established star in Paul Newman. However, here he's playing a rebel. All right, he's, he's, a, he's, a, he's, a, he's not playing by the rules, even though he's thrown in prison for two years. He's not, he's not going to abide by the, uh, the limits of this chain gang here. No, no, sir. No, sir. <laughs> or at least that's what you think for the... You don't learn that until the second half, because the first half is pretty languid. <laughs> I, yeah, so basically this is, this is essentially a prison movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, it follows the travails of a guy named Lucas something or other. I can't remember his last name. It doesn't matter. <laughs> He just goes by Cool Hand Luke. Yes. Well, he earns that nickname. Um, mm-hmm. He's he's thrown into uh, he's he's a war hero, um, but he's a little disillusioned now. So he's thrown into after uh, committing the the grievous crime of cutting the heads off parking meters. <laughs> Not even for the money. He didn't even do it for the money, which really baffled me. No, he just um, did it because he was bored. <laughs> yeah. He gets thrown into a Florida chain gang for two years. Mm-hmm. That's his sentence, and he slowly ingratiates himself with the entire crew. And um, as you said, it's not until the halfway point that we get the impetus for every prison movie, which is to escape. <laughs> <laughs> we finally get that catalyst and his, his motivation to actually break from, break free from this gang. Mm-hmm. And the motivation in question is his ailing mother comes to visit him. Yes. Uh, they've who, they've who, propped who her up she... in the back of a pickup truck. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> which, which I think she's leading her best life. I mean, who wouldn't <laughs> want to live like that? <laughs> But I, that scene is notable because he refers to her by her first name. Mm. Ooh, edgy, edgy dude. <laughs> wow, no respect yeah. for his elders. <laughs> nope. <laughs> Heavens to Murgatroyd. <laughs> exactly. Monocles were popping out all over America when this movie came out. <laughs> I can see, I can, I, I can see the uh, transgressive appeal of the movie. Watching it now, separated so far from it. I guess part of the issue, though, with this movie is I feel like it's been uh, usurped by one flew over the cuckoo's nest. Which is, I think, a much more yeah. kind of. It, it's dealing with the exact same subject matter, but I think better. But I can see, understand, like watching this, it's like they must have been like, "Whoa, yeah, he's really sticking it to the man. <laughs> Look how <laughs> handsome he is." <laughs> yeah, I'm glad you brought that up. That's the exact same movie that I was thinking of watching this. Um, mm-hmm. A movie that doesn't quite qualify for our podcast because we've both seen it. Mm-hmm. Uh, One flew over the cuckoo's nest. The problem is that both of those movies live and die by how much we like our protagonists. <laughs> and let me ask you this: Did you like Cool Hand Luke? Uh, no, not especially. Because again, he doesn't really have a character. I mean, get, yeah, you can have a disaffected rebel, but at least mm-hmm. give him some internal life. And they kind of do with the fact that he's a war veteran and he has a mom that clearly they have a strained relationship. But other than that, we don't know anything about him. And like the movie has such reverence for him that I just didn't buy into. And I don't mm. know, personally for me, I like my movies to be a little more challenging when it comes to uh, our respect or our idea of what the main character is or what he meant to repre- what he's meant to represent. And I, for me, this movie didn't really challenge that enough. It didn't really give us enough of a reason. It was just like, he's just sticking it to the man because no one can bring him down, and that's just not <laughs> enough for me. That's thin gruel to me. Exactly. It's based on a novel by Frank Pearson, which is... Lo- er, sorry, excuse me. Mm-hmm. I, Frank Pearson is the studio head. Oh, okay. <laughs> No, uh, or uh, no, the, not the studio head, the uh, screenwriter, mm-hmm. <laughs> based on a novel by Don Pierce, which is kind of cobbled together from his experiences on a chain gang. Mm-hmm. And so maybe maybe he tried to coalesce like a lot of different personalities or interesting characters into this cool hand Luke guy. But you're right, there's not there's none of the there. We have to be like kind of told that he's an awesome dude, um, <laughs> and that especially comes through in the affections of a guy named Drag, who's really the who's kind of the Duke inside this little workhouse, mm-hmm. um, played by George Kennedy. Oh, the great George Kennedy. Uh, absolutely. <laughs> The venerable George Kennedy. We love, mm. we love him, folks. We love him, folks. We're bringing him back. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it was weird for me to see him not being the voice of reason to Frank Drebin, Detective Frank yeah, Drebin. Absolutely. But... <laughs> that's, yeah, that's that's who we really love is um, <laughs> Frank Drebin's partner. But it really relies on his affections because he's the, again the number one in the in the 
prison house, and once he uh, earns his respect via uh, bluffing in poker and eating fifty eggs, which I've seen, we'll we'll get to later. Oh wow, <laughs> there was not a there was not a butt in any seat when he ate those fifty eggs <laughs> when this movie was in theaters. Let me tell you. Yeah, so it's it's interesting how it kind of relies on that, but yeah, I think fifty years, fifty one years later, excuse me, mm-hmm. I I didn't quite buy it. I didn't I didn't like this character, and yeah, there's there's no sense of what he's really rebelling against or what he's doing. Mm-hmm. And it would make a greater maybe impact once he is kind of tortured and he is like this the subject of of uh, derision mm-hmm. when he when he becomes that later um and does kind of like finally plan his grand escape or doesn't um as we'll explain. Yeah. But yeah, there's just it's just it's just kind of thin gruel. <laughs> you know, maybe it's it is like the the beans and the cornbread that the prisoners receive. Like, <laughs> hey, that might have been good sustenance, you know, in '67, um, which is what those teenagers needed. <laughs> However, today it's not enough. We're we're a little bit more sophisticated, and we need a little bit more. Exactly. Our palates are our palates demand more. <laughs> and that's the the tricky thing about this podcast is again we're seeing it now separated so many years before we're like kind of sadly losing the context and it just it doesn't have that impact anymore sadly uh but i think the the other problem is again separated with so much time is greg this may not surprise you but i listen to a lot of npr what why (laughs) because it's it's important to support public broadcasting all right let me tell you guys we're starting a pledge drive here now (laughs) i don't know if you knew it's pledge month um absolutely but I was well, here in Los Angeles. We did a no pledge drive, so we won't oh. interrupt our programming. Yeah, <laughs> okay. Pretty um, serious stuff. Yes, I listen to NPR too. But go ahead. <laughs> I listen to a lot of NPR, and one of the shows I listen to is uh, Pop Culture Happy Hour. Have you ever listened to them? No. They have a lot of great hosts. They've got Glenn Weldon, who I love, and uh, they have a lot of different personalities on, like NPR personalities, like uh, Ari Shapiro, who's instead like a news reader, you know, to come for him to come in and be like, "Oh yeah, I watched this and I liked it. It's very fun." But it's hosted by oh, so he's like us. He's like, exactly. It's just it, like it demands our opinions be heard. <laughs> exactly. But it's hosted by Linda Holmes, and I like Linda Holmes. Mm-hmm. But if I ha- I used to kind of have a problem where. It seemed like she was always trying to, like, as a critic, you're supposed to be a little nitpicky. But for me, she always kind of came off as like she was just trying to poke too many holes in things and kind of, like, demonstrate her wokeness. So it's like all her criticisms were about, well, there's not enough female characters or, oh, the African-American characters don't give their due and stuff like that. And And at first I was kind of annoyed that it's like she always kind of brings it up. But Cool Hand Luke is kind of my breaking point, because <laughs> honestly, <laughs> I think at this point in my life, yes, I have seen too many white male characters and their white male problems. Yes. <laughs> Linda Holmes, ex- let me confess this now, I see you, I understand now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we should probably explain that this this is taking place in the 60s, this is probably, I, they don't confirm this, but a segregated camp exclusively for white men. Mm-hmm. And like literally that's the entire cast, other than the mother and um, a, a Let's say, let's say, just a sex object um, <laughs> who pops up later in the story. There's some black kids that make an appearance, but like, uh, that's true. <laughs> that's it. <laughs> yeah, this is this is the least diverse movie we've ever seen. Um, <laughs> clan rallies are more diverse than Cool Hand Luke. <laughs> but it's also like it's coming from a run of doing this podcast where we've watched like Smokey and the Bandit, and uh, we just watched Quiz Show last week, and it's just. When are we gonna get some female characters in movies? Like, come on! I get oh, that prison to, movies. That's up to you. You 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 create the schedule. You, you're right. You you're, see what... Wait, this was your pick. This is your pick. This is your. Idea. What do you mean? This was your my no. Pick. You I take guess. responsibility for this, good sir. You take responsibility. <laughs> well, it still has some pedigree today, but again, I I don't think it it really kind of holds up 50 years later because we don't know exactly what Luke wants. Um, <laughs> it's kind of like the anti-establishment movie and the hippie movement of the 60s. I mean, they, just, they kind of have this vague idea of rebellion, but they mm-hmm. they don't have a goal that they're striving toward, and that's why it failed. Um, well, again, because he's a, of, he's, a, he's a distant, driftless, listless character. It's yeah, the fact that, well, again, how did he even end up in jail? Because he was just bored. And he just did some public property damage. So, again, there's not a lot for us to grab onto. Now, maybe, again, kids just smoking doob, you know, riding across the country. You know, the beat generation, maybe they really felt that internally. But, you know, now now we have the Internet. Now we're structured. We're, you know, we're good humans now, right? (laughs) Well, and you point out another issue here with talking about the diversity of the cast because... It's fine for this movie to have an all white male cast. That's okay. Again, it's logical inside the the mise en scene. Like mm-hmm. you know, it's it makes sense that this would just be a prison just populated exclusively by white guys. Mm-hmm. But what you have to do is populate it also with like interesting characters. 
And also there's that issue because we don't really know anything about any of the other folks in this in this prison. For instance, Drag, all we know about him is that he's illiterate mm-hmm. and kind of has a hard southern upbringing. But we don't know anything else about him. No, we don't um, really know anything about any of the other characters, too. It's like yeah. the actors do their best. They give him like little ticks and little personalities, but it's like we don't know anything about him and none of them really make an impact. And maybe that's the other thing about this movie is I think that's why it's had such a legacy is that they did cast a lot of people who weren't huge names but inevitably went on to have much bigger careers like Harry Dean Stanton and uh, Dennis Hopper. Mm-hmm. They make a little tiny, you know, appearances, but you don't, you wouldn't really recognize them at this point in their careers. No, and yeah, you've got interesting character actors. Why not have them do something interesting? <laughs> I mean, Harry Harry Dean Stanton does sing. Mm-hmm. He does sing a song. However, yeah, it's just it's just too nebulous and doesn't really connect with what's going on. I believe it's this following. Does Luke go in the hole at this point when he sings, or? I well, he there's also the part where he's like digging the hole. He's forced to dig the hole, and there's a, a little song playing in the background there. They're doing like a little small, jaunty tune. But yeah, I guess he starts singing mm-hmm. when uh, Luke is first sent to the hole. The hole is solitary confinement. Yes. And technique-wise, I think this movie actually is quite good. You know, when he's first sent to the mm. hole, you get that kind of great moment where you know they drop one bucket and then they drop another bucket, <laughs> implying that, <laughs> well, you're here for a while. Um, and there's a lot of Again, going with the whole transgressive 60s style of it, there's a lot of like hard smash cuts and match cuts and a lot of kind of like, not super psychedelic, but you kind of see a bit of those influences in there a little bit. Yeah, less traditional and, you know, kind of make it a a more enlivening experience with the editing. Mm -hmm. Um, John, you didn't, you didn't, well, my problem with that, yes, they established the threat of the whole, the solitary confinement. Mm -hmm. However, I don't, I didn't really feel the impact of it. Um, He's just kind of sitting there waiting. Mm -hmm. Like maybe if there were flashbacks so we could see the psychological torture that he goes through like maybe maybe then i can understand it but yeah the, the latter half i really started to lose interest because i wasn't feeling the impact also john you you missed probably the most important aspect of the whole okay it's not just the two cans where you one where you <laughs> one one's for number one the other for number two presumably <laughs> yep but also, you have to go in with a white robe. Oh. And this is the first of many, many, many Christ-like <laughs> symbolisms and signs. Yes, my favorite is when, after he eats all 50 eggs, he yeah. lies on the table in a messianic pose. <laughs> yeah. Like, oh, he ate eggs for your sins. <laughs> yeah, I, d- I don't know what... There's a lot of Jesus imagery in here, and I don't know what it was contributing to. Because, again, Luke is edgy. He's, a, he's an atheist. Mm-hmm. Um, sometimes he, he talks to God, like, hey, where are you? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like, especially towards the end. The big climax happens in a yeah. church, and, you know, he does kind of, like, affront, you know, God, the ultimate authority that he just won't kowtow to. <laughs> yeah, so I don't know what it was contributing to, because his story isn't really Christ-like. He doesn't have a resurrection, really. Um, no, he does. He uh, spoiler alert: He does die at the end. <laughs> yeah, he does officially, yeah, eat it. But mm-hmm. <laughs> also, there's no, there's nothing miraculous going on. I mean, he he. I guess there's a sign that he turns the other cheek because he gets in a fight with Drag. Yeah. Um, and just refuses to go down. Mm-hmm. Um, but again, there's no real impetus for that. I mean, it's not it, the the whole point of the scene is is that he's earning respect. I guess. Yeah. By being defiant and not surrendering, I guess that's a sign of his character. But maybe if you give a little more like context like saying like give him an excuse to turn the other cheek and Mm -hmm. say not like just take a beating and there's not really any evidence that he's like i guess there's a little bit more camaraderie but that's also one of the things that works better about one flew over the cuckoo's nest is that there is this sense that he is making an impact on their lives and they are acting differently because of it it does feel like a teacher disciple relationship there whereas here it's just Mm. like oh isn't cool hand luke so cool isn't he like (laughs) the best but they don't they don't change they don't act any different again because they're not really characters they're personalities but they're not really characters (laughs) yeah well they're barely personalities Mm. i couldn't i couldn't distinguish one from the other other than george kennedy's character yeah i mean could you Um, even understand him half the time like the the accents are so thick in this movie (laughs) like that scene with his mom like i knew it was supposed to be powerful but i can't understand a single thing both of them are saying to each other yeah maybe also an issue 51 years later was the sound mix like Mm. i couldn't i couldn't understand like half the words yeah Stay down, Luke. 
Stay down, little guy. He's gonna kill you. Stay down. Somebody ought to stop this thing. is too slow and languid and speaking of George Kennedy's character he's the only one that has sort of this arc because he he's an adversary initially of Luke mm-hmm. and then comes to respect him through you know a poker game the boxing match the eating of 50 eggs and winning that bet mm-hmm. um, and then by the end he's like sycophantic he's like a <laughs> exactly. child he's like oh my gosh Luke you're the coolest <laughs> <laughs> well I think it's because the he does escape and he's like mm-hmm. on the lam for a while, like I think at least like two weeks. And so I think that is kind of meant to be like, again, start to build that idea that he's like a legend. You know, they probably like, you know, for the new prisoners who come in, it's like, oh, did you hear about Cool Hand Luke? He escaped. Yeah. And he's been on the lam ever since. And, you know, he sends them a postcard kind of. He sends them a uh, magazine with a picture of him with two ladies of the evening. Oh, yeah, he's living his best yeah. life. <laughs> Also, I'm kind of proud of myself. I found, I saw a little bit of foreshadowing there, though, when he, uh, when they open up the magazine and find the picture next to it. There's a uh, ad for a gun, like a Winchester rifle, and the gun is yeah. pointed directly at Luke's picture. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> kind of implying, you know, oh, this is how that story ends. Yeah. Well, that that I didn't understand because yes, uh, Luke breaks out mm-hmm. again. This is an hour. This is an hour into the movie when his mother dies. Exactly. Like, if, yeah. if we can get there quicker, like great. <laughs> But he he goes out on the lamb and has all these clever tricks to um t- to defeat the uh, bloodhounds, which Mythbusters proves did not work. Sorry, mm. <laughs> hate to, and that, that's probably why our, our bubble is so burst on this movie. We <laughs> we saw Mythbusters and we know that this wouldn't work. But anyway, <laughs> uh, did Neil deGrasse Tyson tweet about it? Because unless he tweeted about it, I don't care. <laughs> Exactly. Um, that sky shows that it was clearly filmed in Stockton, California, <laughs> and not in Florida, where the story takes place. <laughs> But in any event, he he cleverly gets away, and then he sends back a magazine with, as you said, the picture of the two ladies. Mm-hmm. Um, but he's caught, pull, brought back to the prison, and reveals that it was a fake photo. Uh. Like, that I didn't understand. Like, what was the... How, how did he have the capability in 1967 <laughs> to doctor, to doctor a, photo. a photo? Yeah. Maybe it was implying that there were, like, two mannequins, like they weren't just real ladies. I don't know. Yeah, I'd... Yeah. No, they were clearly real ladies. I mean, <laughs> well, also, how did he acquire the money to get, like, let's say, just stage the photo? Like, let's say he didn't actually hire these uh, I mean, two entertainers, as it were. Yeah, I mean, the idea, uh, maybe he's giving, he's not trying to give them false hope, so maybe he mm. told them that so they wouldn't get the idea to escape either. Because the whole point of the second half is that it's the slow breakdown. They start breaking him down. They put him into the hole. They make him dig yeah. a hole constantly. You know, it's like, what's yeah. your dirt doing there? Get your dirt out of there. <laughs> Who said put this dirt here? Put that dirt back. And, you know, they yeah, make him. So he has to dig a hole, fill it in, dig a hole. Which I'm kind of. I'm kind of surprised you said that the first half grabbed you more than the second half, because the second half grabbed me a little bit more, because it's like, oh, now there's steaks. All right, the steaks are more than just, can he eat 50 eggs? Um, <laughs> well, at least that, that's fascinating. I've never seen an eating contest like that. Mm, fair point. <laughs> Whereas, yeah, but in the latter half, like, I'm not I'm not invested in Luke anymore. Like, I don't, I don't care what his journey is. <laughs> yeah, but at least he's like, there's some struggle and there's some actual human drama as opposed to the first half, which is just like, oh, poker games, you know. Derp, derp, derp. <laughs> well, that that seems to at least be reflective of prison life, mm-hmm. I suppose. I guess that's true. The other issue is maybe if if we also like cast better villains, mm. 
Because there are two main villains. There's the guy um, who famously said, "We what we got here is a failure to communicate." The captain. Kind of the, That's the captain. Yeah. The, yeah. Okay. He he lives on a shed, kind of not a shed, but a little <laughs> house, and sits on the porch, like next to the work camp. Um, mm-hmm. Again, implying this is basically a for-profit prison. He's just <laughs> exploiting their labor. Um, there's him, and there's also like a crack marksman in these reflective aviator glasses. Yeah. Um, who never says a word. It's confusing. I don't know if he gets a name because it's confusing because they just refer to all their officers as boss. So yeah. he's just another boss as far as i know uh but yes he's very distinctive he's like a foot taller than everybody else he's a crack shot and again he never says a word it's just all mirrored sunglasses they love those close-ups of the mirrored sunglasses <laughs> yeah oh i mean come on if you got if you got style shades you got to use them oh, of course i guess so i guess so. you gotta flaunt it speaking of, speaking of which i mean we have to talk about the girl <laughs> <laughs> The girl, the one girl again. Yeah. Like, just I'm no more, no more straight white male protagonists for the rest of the podcast because yeah. I'm so bored of it. <laughs> I think I think the impetus for that that particular scene was because we should probably explain they're out working the line on the road, just mm-hmm. clearing brush, and then a girl comes out to wash her car in a at a very tight top, mm-hmm. um, you know. Just, just, um, sensually, um, washing her car as 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 a, as a scantily clad lady would. Mm-hmm. Exactly, and th- that's it. I mean, just you guys get horny, and that's. I th- I think the point of the scene is just to see the guys get horny because I I wanted to point this out in the first. This happens around the first twenty minutes or so. Mm-hmm. The first twenty minutes, it's solely populated by sweaty shirtless guys, <laughs> and I bet a producer saw that and they said this movie's way too gay. Okay. <laughs> Throw some, you know, spice in there exactly. <laughs> for the fellas. Yeah, <laughs> we got red-blooded Americans here. We need to <laughs> need to spice exactly. things up. Oh man, I'm dying. I'm dying. Look at that. She ain't got nothing, nothing but one safety pin all in that thing. On. Come on, safety pin. Come on, baby, pop. Hey, Lord, whatever I've done, don't strike me blind for another couple of minutes. My Lucille. You Lucille, boy, where'd you get that? That's Lucille, you motherhead. Anything so innocent and built like that just gotta be named Lucille. Love it, baby. In that car, huh? Love. Yeah, like like a, mo- a lot of this movie, inconsequential. <laughs> I, I guess just to show how hard prison life is, because they're mm-hmm. you know, <laughs> where are my sexy ladies? <laughs> Well, let's well let's get back to when you said that there was consequence. He gets broken down and he loses the admiration of his fellow prisoners because he mm-hmm. basically kowtows to yeah. uh, the boss, the captain. He becomes the, the captain's boss's. bitch. Yeah, or so and we think. Yeah, <laughs> but then he does plan his final escape. I guess that mm-hmm. <laughs> final final is in the movie. Apparently, he confesses that he just came up with it on the on the on the moment and didn't plan it out. Mm-hmm. But he steals all the keys of the truck, like basically as the as the um, captain's bitch, as you said. <laughs> he goes to retrieve something from the truck and just drives it away. Thankfully, thankfully, drag hops on board, so they're both now on the lam. Exactly. But of course, when push comes to shove, and it becomes kind of a semi-hostage situation, they hold up in an old church, and again mm-hmm. we get that final kind of like confrontation with God, and yeah. drag drag pretty much gives himself up immediately and kind of tries to encourage. Uh, uh, sorry, <laughs> Luke. <laughs> yeah, I was trying to say Paul Newman, but I was the like the salad dressing guy. <laughs> yeah, the salad dressing guy. <laughs> I'm tired. Anyway, yeah, uh, the salad dressing guy. <laughs> he does. He kind of refuses to give up, and he 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 kind of pretends like he's about to give up, but he makes a smart ass comment and he gets shot. And you know, he he they load him up in the van, but they pretty much guarantee that he's not going to make it in time. They're like, well, why don't we take the scenic route? <laughs> you know, in case yeah. these people weren't evil enough. Yeah, he's shot in the neck. and mm-hmm. Yeah, it looks like it's he's not going to make it, basically. No. Drag gets very upset and actually hits the big guard with the big aviator glasses. Mm-hmm. Um, we see his face for the first time. Yep. But 
Yeah, I was wondering what the, what this ulti- what this ultimately concludes to because it's not it's not as though Luke has a resurrection or anything. No, again, um, he died for the sake of freedom, but uh, yeah, yeah, there's no resurrection. Fre- freedom from what? I mean, it's so, it's so ambiguous. <laughs> exactly, <laughs> <laughs> to be his own man, I guess. Yeah. Well, it's and it's particularly baffling because it ends on this like montage, like obviously. Oh yeah, a clip show yeah. for the movie yeah. you just watched. <laughs> <laughs> Well, just like Andy Hall, you get to see the the whole journey that they made. <laughs> I guess so, yeah. In this case, it's a montage of Paul Newman smiling. Yeah. Um, but the point of Andy Hall is the fact that it's a movie about memories, so it's like it's all kind of flooding back, and it's non-linear. Here, it's just like, exactly. oh, wasn't yeah. Luke so more, cool? Weren't his hands yeah, so much cool. more profound? Yeah, he's in, instead of <laughs> George Kennedy's character is dreamily uh, reminiscing about his smile, and just cuts to every smile he had throughout the movie. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, <laughs> including probably some instances where his character wasn't there. But that's 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 either here nor there. <laughs> Well, it's also kind of silly given how, you know, it does try to have a more untraditional dramatic flair and then to end with like a little clip show montage just seems kind Mm -hmm. of very cheesy for this kind of movie. I thought this movie was meant to be rebellious. And then it's like, oh, cool hand Luke. He was the best. (laughs) And speaking of cheesy, like the score is awful. (laughs) There are like there's like twangy guitars. There's really maudlin music when he is like uh, whipped and beaten by the captain and mm-hmm. his goons. Um, so yeah, like like that really took me out of the experience too. But what was most baffling at the end, following this montage, we see George Kennedy's character is back to work. Mm-hmm. He's clearing the brush from the side of the road, mm-hmm. and he's smiling. He seems to be like relishing like this memory that he's had. Mm-hmm. Um, and then it pans down to his he's he, now he has leg irons because he tried to run exactly. As I established earlier, and I couldn't understand. Again, they're they're making this kind of connection between of uh, Christ or Cool Hand Luke and Christ mm-hmm. with some very very obvious symbolism and imagery. <laughs> but again, George George Kennedy's character is still locked up. Mm. That's what I could. Is it because he's like mentally free? Like he's, yes, because he has the spirit of freedom within him, even though you yeah, know, his his legs are shackled. He's he's basically the Apostle Paul, Greg. Okay. Oh, okay. Yeah. Now we can oh, go okay, forth right. and communicate that message, because again, his spirit lives on, even though he's not free himself. Yeah, and technically he can relay the story, even though he can't read or write, um, like Paul, <laughs> like like the Apostle Paul could. Um, at least he's relaying that story, I suppose. Well, if we're if we're gonna tie this back to one flew over the cuckoo's nest, at least there we see Chief literally break free. Exactly, the Chief can break <laughs> yes. free, but not yeah. Not, so at not least so there, it's less ambiguous. <laughs> this one's more metaphorical, Greg. Okay, there's layers. All right, mm. the eggs represent, you know. The human soul, you know, it's hard I've outer s- shell. But once you boil it, once you put it under enough pressure, it becomes goop. no. John, I think we have to look at it. I think we have to look at it as um, dedicated leftists. Oh, okay. And we have to see this as reaffirming class, which is bad. Oh, okay. <laughs> I think I think that's the other issue. This I didn't bring up with the movie we watched before, Quiz Show. Mm-hmm. Um, but again, another movie f- featuring predominantly uh, white men mm-hmm. um, is that. The one thing about that movie is, at the very end, Charles Van Doren is given his testimony and um, gets hounded by the press. Mm-hmm. And that's when the Herb Stumpel character, the working class character, has to pay, say, hey, give it, go easy on him. Oh. Um, he's lost a lot. So it's always the lower classes that have to kowtow. <laughs> the and upper classes, the same they have it the here. hardest, don't they? Because they have so exactly. many more Exactly, they have more to lose. <laughs> And that seems to be the same case here. I mean, t- even though he may feel, uh, drag may feel spiritually free, like it, the chains are still there. Mm. <laughs> so, like materially, his life hasn't changed. So, I, basically, we're this is a, this is a socialist podcast now. Okay. We're just going to look at all these movies <laughs> through a socialist lens. Yeah, and how problematic they are. <laughs> mm. I, I, you know what? Going forward, I like that idea. Okay, I'm feeling mm. the burn. Let's do it. I know. Yes, I know. <laughs> Every, but this podcast isn't based out of Brooklyn, so it can't be. It's not about it's not about leftism or Brooklyn. Or... Greg, this podcast is so progressive. It's one thirty six hundred Cherokee. Okay. <laughs> uh, nobody's gonna get that in two weeks. Not until she runs in twenty twenty. Then it'll be oh, a constant yeah, news story. A, exactly. That's, that'll be the reason one million that she'll lose. <laughs> Besides the fact she's a woman, yeah. Well, no, John, we we're we're wrong because clearly that shut Donald Trump up. Mm. Like, oh, I I've owned him with facts. Exactly. <laughs> just like just like the birth certificate. Yes. Yeah. Give give him the exact documentation he wants. That'll shut him up. Yeah. <laughs> That's always stopped him before. And he will. And yes. And he will capitulate. And he will say, I would. I tip my hat to you. I will never speak of it again. 
Why do they keep thinking? This is a man who won't even reveal his tax reform, like returns. Why do they think, oh, we have documentation, like that matters to him? <laughs> like it matters to his entire, like the entire voting base. <laughs> it's a politi- It's a politics podcast now, guys. All right, I'm sorry. Yeah, I don't, I, yeah, you brought it up. <laughs> but anyway, Cool Hand Luke, thumbs down. <laughs> uh, what's the opposite of a seal of approval? A seal of. St- Dink, uh, just just whiff, just oof. Yeah. <laughs> okay, it's not that bad. I mean, no, it's, it's, but you know, it's well made by Stuart Rosenberg, who's a, who's a competent director. But yeah, just just I, to watch uh, Cuckoo's Nest again. That it's just yeah. it's the same thing but better. Yeah, I didn't even like that movie that much. No, I, I didn't like, like it. Either, lives and dies. I enjoyed myself more than of that watching than watching this. Yeah. So yeah, and at least you could see some rebellion in uh, McMurphy. Mm. Whereas, yeah, this is Hollywood star um, <laughs> Paul Newman. Just, it, yeah, maybe there's a little grease on him or whatever, but. <laughs> hey, Jack Nicholson never came out with his own salad dressing. Okay. <laughs> this is true. Missed opportunity for him. Mm-hmm. Salad dressing. <laughs> I love salad dressing. <laughs> it's the only thing I put on salad. It is cooking. <laughs> <laughs> He's shooting the commercial at a Lakers game. <laughs> they took him right down that road. What'd he look like, Drag? Yeah, Drag, what'd he look like? He had his eyes open and closed, Drag. He was smiling. Smiling? <laughs> That's right. You know, that, uh, that Luke smile of his. He had it on his face right to the very end. Hell, if they didn't know it for, they could tell right then that they weren't ever going to beat him. That old Luke smile. <laughs> old Luke. He was some boy. Cool hand Luke L. He's a natural born world shaker. Any hoops. <laughs> I think we should mosey on over in our in our, our legs are chained but you know the spirit of freedom is with us. So oh, yeah. in the, in that spirit we decide to follow up with our signature segment Spotlight. 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 It's time, Robbie. It's time. Yes, I'm doing an electric slide over <laughs> to power empower our uh, spotlight here. <laughs> Who's going first, Greg? Is it you or uh, did I go first? I don't know. Last week? What, do you, what do you, we really should keep track of this. <laughs> what I know, yeah, we should we should really plan this. What, <laughs> Greg? As we've expressed, George Kennedy is one of our most beloved stars, and we miss him Absolutely. dearly. Actually, he might still be alive. Let me double check. That. <laughs> hang on, hang on. I'm gonna look that up right now. You you vamp while I confirm uh, okay. whether George Kennedy is still with us. Mm-hmm. And one of the things uh, he is not. He died in 2016. That's what I assumed. <laughs> okay, at the ripe old age of 91. Yeah. yeah. And as we've already expressed, uh, our favorite George Kennedy role is that of Ed Hooken, <laughs> Lieutenant Ed Hooken from yeah. the police, or not <laughs> the police academy, from the Naked Gun series. We also love the police academy. <laughs> More Mahoney, please. <laughs> the sound effects, the sound effects. <laughs> I know, Michael Winslow on the, he just does it all with his mouth. Amazing. Anyway. <laughs> but yes, we love the Naked Gun series. And for my spotlight today, look, you should have already seen The Naked Gun from the Files of Police Squad by now. Obviously. Yeah, I'm going to recommend its sequel, uh, The Naked Gun 2.5, The Smell of Fear. Um, okay. While I will admit it's not as good as the original, it's still hilarious as hell. And if it's only the only part of Diminishing Returns is the fact that it's not as fresh the second time around, but it's still mm. very, very funny. Okay, now I... I can't recall seeing, like, obviously every joke from the original Naked Gun is burned in my head. Mm-hmm. Uh, explain a little bit more of Two and a Half. I mean, wh- what's going on? It, does it involve Norberg again? I mean, <laughs> we all want to see more OJ on screen. <laughs> Whatever happened to him? <laughs> yeah. Is Priscilla Presley back? <laughs> yes, Priscilla Presley's back. They've broken up in nice. between the movies, but, you know, that's just so that they could hit the reset button and then they can rekindle their love again. Mm. <laughs> and I'll never forget the scene where they reintroduce her. They end up back at the scene of a bombing, and they get a lot of uh, jokes out of the you know lines where you etch out where the corpse is. So you know mm-hmm. there are so many bodies, and as as you track the sh- as the sh- tracking shot goes over the floor, you see them the bodies get distorted in weird ways until one is just like an Egyptian pharaoh, like doing the kind of Egyptian <laughs> walk. 
<laughs> but they've broken up in between movies, and when he's reintroduced, you know, you get that classic noir detective voiceover, you know, describing her body, you know, just shoulders that, you know, command respect, and breasts that say, hey, fellas, look at these. <laughs> yep, she reminded me of my mother, all right, that's for sure. <laughs> <laughs> so it's another classic gag a minute kind of movie. Exactly. And, uh, what, like, one of the main problems is, well, not a problem, but again, another semi-demerit is that the main villain is played by the late, great uh, Robert Goulet. Okay. And oh. and he's no Cardo, Ricardo Montalban, so sadly, but he still, he does an admirable <laughs> How job. How dare you, sir? <laughs> I didn't know you were such a this Goulet. Man, this man is a legend. <laughs> That's Robert Goulet to you. <laughs> Greg, he's an opera singer, okay? Of course he has great diction. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> But what <laughs> But I want to I want to make my point is like but which one ha- comes to the worst demise at the end? Because as, but, both movies well, have the same kind of conclusion where yes. uh, they fall from a very high place. Um <laughs> unfortunately, um uh, Ricardo Montalban gets uh crushed by a steamroller <laughs> and then <laughs> and a bus <laughs> and a marching band <laughs> exactly <laughs> which leads poor george kennedy to cry you know big manly tears and says my father went the same way <laughs> yeah robert goulet suffers a similar fate where he falls off a tall building but lands on an awning and then you know dusts himself off and he's perfectly fine turns a corner and immediately is mauled by a tiger <laughs> but <laughs> But there's a good reason for it. Another great reoccurring gag mm-hmm. in Two and a Half is, due to Frank Drebin, uh, Frank Drebin's bumbling, he accidentally yes. uh, plows a SWAT car into a zoo, into the Los Angeles Zoo, and all the animals mm-hmm. escape. So for the other, for the second half of the movie, there's exotic animals wandering around the set. <laughs> and again, it never ceases to be just a hilarious sight gag. Exactly. So all right, I'm I'm gonna have to revisit this. I mean, no, it's it's I, extremely funny. All right, I can't again. I can't see how it can improve on the first one, but no, again, it, it like doesn't improve. Successor. But it's still it's still worth your time. Again, like the only problem is it doesn't exceed the original. That's the only it's it's only demerit, but it's still extremely okay. funny. All right, but again, you're reminding us of all the wonderful gags there in the movie. So <laughs> I know I'm spoiling. Now we first. have to. Now we have to rush out and see it, <laughs> exactly. folks. Forget uh, Cool Hand Luke. Throw it to the dustbin <laughs> of history. <laughs> Elevate Naked Gun Two and a Half Men to the Library of Congress. It is culturally, aesthetically, it's significant. It has to be there. Pull Cool Hand Luke off the shelf. Get rid of it. Out of here. <laughs> I think we should ban it for being subversive. Yes. <laughs> I, I think Luke is a communist and should be... Again, the movie should be banned. <laughs> well, given how the uh, Abrams and Sucker brothers are nowadays, you know, I think they would <laughs> probably concur. Oh, yeah. They're staunch conservatives <laughs> now. Oh, no. <laughs> Which is weird because the bad guys in Naked Gun 2.5 are like uh, environmental polluters. They're like big industrialists, mm. you know. So it's like they—they they were at least Hollywood lefties at one point in their lives. I well, yeah, because I think Fox News warped their brains oh, okay. and did millions of other Americans. <sighs> I guess so. I guess so. Yeah, Tr- sad but true. Sad. Well, they picked yeah. Well, they picked a winning horse, I suppose. <laughs> oh. <laughs> oh no, let's tie ourselves to the other the other uh, political party. It's like, well, we tried. Here's the, <laughs> we did a bake sale. <laughs> No. <laughs> and we made a website. <laughs> we released all their documents. We're winning, right? <laughs> I know, yeah. <laughs> we proved we proved them wrong with facts. <laughs> Didn't work the first 50 times, but this time. <laughs> this time, when we take the high road, it'll work out just exactly, fine. <laughs> yeah. Sorry, no more politics. <laughs> no, no. Greg, what do you have for Spotlight? John, I have something very important okay. that is now roiling uh, and rankling uh, Netflix aficionados out there. Mm. This just dropped like a like a nuclear bomb, I believe, <laughs> um, into the middle of people's Netflix queues. They're wondering, what are the curious creations of Christine McConnell? Well, Even I didn't know. Color me intrigued. <laughs> exactly. Even I didn't know. Thankfully, uh, thanks to the friend of mine, I'm just going to get through this, girlfriend. Yes, <laughs> sorry, ladies, off the market. <laughs> Thanks for a recommendation from friends of my girlfriend. Uh, we sat down and watched, and I was enraptured immediately. <laughs> Christine McConnell is a world-class baker, decorator. Um, she she expands into dressmaking in season three, in episode three, excuse there me. There you go. <laughs> yeah. She makes the world's simplest dress. <laughs> yes. 
hey, did you know how to make that with the, with a fine fabric? I didn't think so. Okay. <laughs> and after the episode, you may not know how it's made because she doesn't exactly go. She's not exactly thorough in how she's creating these, uh, making these little creations. Um, mm-hmm. We should explain that this is yes, a, essentially a uh, an at home you know baking show. Um, where she makes kind of Halloween theme and dark gothic creations. Yes. Um, I believe one of the first things she did was make like a haunted house out of sheet cake and showing all the designs, how, how she made eyes with like a clear gel so that they, well, they imitate. All right. If you're, if you're going in for actual good instruction, I'm afraid you're going to leave wanting. <laughs> no. Yeah. <laughs> she skips over a lot of key steps. <laughs> yeah. So it, it, we only have 25 minutes. So, um, Yes, it it does come. It, it a lot of it has to be glossed over. Yeah, in um, the second episode, in she makes a coffee cake in the shape of a like uh, antique coffee dispenser. Um, mm-hmm. She glosses over how you actually make the coffee cake. She's like, "So I made this coffee cake, <laughs> and now we're gonna cut into the shape." And it's like, "Whoa, whoa, whoa! Ingredients? How much flour? What's going on?" I listen. You can probably find that online. Okay. <laughs> what you really, what you, really, what the real impetus for the show is to just gawk at her wonderful creations. Mm, I, I think there's she, another reason why we want to watch this show, Greg, and another reason why they probably cut short a lot of the instructions. Oh yeah, the most important part, mm-hmm. folks. We got puppets. <laughs> <laughs> so there's a there's an underlying kind of Adams family esque uh, group of characters that she works yeah. around. Yeah. In addition to the at home instruction, there is a sitcom going on where she lives in this old haunted house mm-hmm. um, with uh, th- three cohorts. One is a, a uh, old uh, Egyptian cat that she's uh, resurrected. <laughs> mm-hmm. Another one, she's uh, reanimated a raccoon. Uh, my personal favorite, she's reanimated a raccoon called Rose <laughs> um, out of a trash compactor. Um, she's, the, she's the surliest of the bunch, I believe. <laughs> and she also brings in a, a werewolf named Edgar. Yes. <laughs> and they're all immaculately created puppets. Um, maybe yeah. not the most... Well, I wouldn't, I wouldn't say immaculate. All right, the not the most articulated the puppets. They're, you know, we're not talking no. Jim Henson level. But they're a lot of fun, and you know, it's, it's good writing. You know, they've got, they've got yes. a lot of fun little quips back and forth. It's, it's fine writing. Right? <laughs> no. it's not, they didn't get the staff in the good place, clearly. But no, okay. <laughs> but yeah, they do a lot of little funny asides and skits and things like that. So I, get, uh, I like that the show is just bursting with creativity, and that you can also like, find it next to, I don't know, when I'm watching Casino or, <laughs> or The Good Place, as I mentioned. Like. <laughs> The fact that this show exists is is worth uh, being celebrated. Um, even if you, no one is going to approach even anything that she tries, like her like her cookie bone or um, the coffee cake, as you mentioned, her eyeball chocolate chip cookies. Yeah, even if even if nobody's going to touch those or even try to recreate them, um, it's it's still worth uh, worthy of your time. Okay. I mean, I watched a few episodes with you, and I gotta say, I enjoyed it. It's, yeah. it's got a it's yeah. got a fun gothic vibe, and you don't really se- uh, see that sadly anymore. It, when when they do kind of come out with something that is meant to be like gothic or kind of alternative, it feels a little like empty. Like, oh, you know, on sale now at Hot Topic, but this genuinely yeah. <laughs> feels like it is trying to go for something you know genuinely subversive, and it's coming from that kind of teenage angsty place where it's like, wouldn't it be cool yeah. if we did this? <laughs> yeah, um, I will say, uh, Christine McConnell. Is, is she could be a bit icy. Um, yeah, not not well groomed for uh, TV. No, but I mean, I, I think that kind of goes with the whole theme. <laughs> yeah, that's true. And again, I think it adds a layer of authenticity. If she was kind of like too bubbly, like a YouTube star, I would have been like, uh, I don't. Yeah, I don't buy yeah, this. It, wouldn't yeah. Have, it wouldn't have worked. Yeah, it's the understatedness somebody, that I appreciate. Yeah, somebody really leans into it annoyingly, like say Abby from NCIS. <laughs> <laughs> Which is a reference nobody will get because no, none of our listeners are over sixty years old. So. Uh, excuse me, you'd be surprised, <laughs> guys. It's never too late to be a, sno- a snob. That's why we call it aspiring snobs. Uh, yes, <laughs> that's true. So keep enjoying your NCIS, and I don't know, skip these old movies that we don't like. <laughs> yes, but for all our older fans out there, you're in luck. Mm-hmm. We have a Facebook page you can check out and like. Absolutely, we have all the dankest memes. <laughs> We have all the great stories that you share with your grandkids and yes. all the prayers that you have to give or else this person will die. <laughs> yes, exactly. One prayer equals one retweet. So make sure you get all the retweets, all right? Sorry, what am I saying? That's re- that's on Twitter, which we are also on, all right? And we need those prayers, guys. Come on. Yes, we need those prayers. Prayer hands, guys. Prayer hands. Yeah. Prayer mm-hmm. hands emoji. So get those, hit those retweet buttons um, to really speak to God, as Cool Hand Luke does in the movie. So exactly. it all comes full circle. <laughs> and then, since you're so old, you'll want to reach out to us directly. <laughs> 
So you can still, you know, don't bother with this WhatsApp. Don't bother with this FaceTime. Give us just an yeah. old-fashioned email. The personalized <laughs> An old-fashioned email. <laughs> a personalized uh, a service that's only 20 years old. <laughs> electronic mail. Yes, so reach out to us at aspiringsnobs at gmail.com. But if if you're one of the young cool kids, mm-hmm. you're listening to this on a really awesome podcasting service platform mm-hmm. like Apple Podcasts, Stitcher. I mean, yeah, you don't have time for the old, those old emails and social networks, Daddy O. I mean, <laughs> Back off, Grandpa. I'm in the yeah. fast lane on my bird scooter. Yes. <laughs> on your hoverboard, um, enjoying the latest Harlem Shake video. <laughs> So while while you're enjoying um, your sweet let's play on your per- on your on your hoverboard, <laughs> go ahead go to that uh, the rating portion of your podcast service of choice, whether it be Stitcher, Acast, uh, Player FM. We're on all of them pretty much. Mm-hmm. But just get, go ahead, give us five stars. Say hey, these guys are great. Exactly, and you'll help more yeah, people. It doesn't even have to be true, and it's probably not, but still, uh, we like to think we're great. Exactly. It'll help more people find the show. Exactly. More ratings means more eyeballs and earballs, yes. because you listen to this, there's no visual element. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. Unless there is a visual element, because you could watch along with us, because we're telling you what we're watching next week. Yeah, speaking Ooh. of eyeballs. Ooh, it's namely, sp- namely being severed and cut. Ooh, it's spooky. <laughs> yes, finally, finally we're going to do a spooky movie uh, for this October, which <laughs> it, I don't know, John, if you heard. <laughs> Next week is Halloween. Oh, then what movie should we watch? I Well, it's followed by All Saints Day, so I'm going to watch the movie All Saints Day, oh, okay. to be honest, to be brutally honest. <laughs> I was trying to set you up for like a who's on first. You should have said, it's Halloween. And I said, yeah, I know it's Halloween, but what are we watching? <laughs> all right, all right, all right. We'll, we'll cut that and do, this, do that now. Oh, okay, cool. All right, cool. All right. <laughs> yeah. so, but Greg, yeah. what are we watching? Don't worry, we'll all cut this out. <laughs> okay. But Greg, what are we watching next week? Well, it's Halloween. Yes, I know, but what are we watching next week? Halloween. I know it's Halloween. What are we watching next week? <laughs> no, we're watching the movie Halloween. Oh, wait, I killed the bit. <laughs> and then we get stabbed. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> By Jason. Is that right? <laughs> I think it's Freddy Krueger in the Halloween movies, right? It's a yeah, nightmare yeah. on Halloween, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> We, John and I, we don't watch a lot of horror movies, so this will be a first for us. Exactly. Not a lot of sla- not even Halloween uh, horror movies specifically. It's a slasher movie, which yeah. we, we, we really don't get into. But, you know, again, yeah. it's John Carpenter. It's probably got a great mood, great atmosphere. So we'll, we'll, yeah. we'll see what we so think. It's probably boring. Oh, no. Right. <laughs> now, okay, that's not fair. John, you were last year you were overjoyed in your first screening of Psycho. Mm-hmm. So maybe this will be something similar. No, we'll, we'll see. We can only see. And why don't you yeah. tune in next week? and you'll see with us. So thank you everybody for listening. Until next week, Goole! <laughs> I hope you guys like Loverboy. Everyone's watching. See what you will do. It's a little Loverboy, come on. Everyone's looking at you. Bob Goole's wondering Will you come out tonight? Everyone's trying to get it right. Get it right. Everybody's working for the weekend. Yeah. Everybody wants a new romance. I know I can use some.